0: lesson for this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 18 and 19. So two quick verses. Listen now for God's Word to you. Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? To what can I compare it? It's like a mustard seed that someone took and planted into a garden. It grew and developed into a tree, and the birds in the sky nested in its branches. This is the Word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Mustard, one of those condiments that I've found in my own personal experience can be kind of divisive. Uh, either you really like mustard or you could do without it. So just as an informal poll, who here loves, loves mustard? Wow, a lot more of you than I imagined. And how many of you could do without it? So not as divisive in this congregation, but still somewhat divisive, uh, I personally love mustard. We had this debate in the back before service. Mustard is the only appropriate sauce to put on a hot dog. Do not put ketchup on your hot dog. That gets applause here. <laughs> yeah, all right. So it's not just the native Chicagoan in me. It's also, you know, that's the only thing that goes on a coney, right, is mustard and chili and onions and all the cheese and everything, right? Um, but I found out this week that mustard actually has uses beyond the culinary world, uh, that in the ancient world, it was known for its medicinal purposes. So I guess mustard is really good for alleviating uh, a sore throat. So just mix together mustard, lemon juice, salt, and honey, which I can't imagine how that tastes, but that's not really the point, right? None of our medicine tastes really good, uh, usually. And uh, it's supposed to alleviate the issues with sore throats. Um, It's supposed to be really good, too, with alleviating sore muscles. So you've worked out in the yard and your muscles are sore afterwards, skip the icy hot, head right to the fridge, and lather on some mustard. That'll help alleviate the, the the sore joints. Um, Mustard is also really good for dealing with burns, so if you just wash out the burn with cold water and then you apply the mustard and it's supposed to help with the blistering and the swelling that often is is associated with burns. Um, Some of you nurses, that's something new for you to use uh, in your treatment plans. Um, It's also really good as a cleaning agent, so it's really good as a degreaser, so you have that, that pan that's filled with grease, you can't seem to get rid of it. Throw some mustard powder in there, it's supposed to alleviate the grease. Uh, Have a spot in your house where there's a nasty odor that you can't seem to get rid of. Mix together mustard powder and hot water. Leave it for 30 minutes, and it's supposed to get rid of uh, that that smell that's there. Um, It's also really good as a beauty uh, product. So um, shampoo companies make lots of money selling you the idea of voluminous and healthy and shiny hair, right? I guess just mix together mustard powder and olive oil, and you've got yourself a shampoo. A great little... DIY thing in this time of massive inflation, right? You can save a little money on shampoo that way. And then finally, I have yet to see this in any spa, but I guess uh, mustard makes a really good uh, exfoliating face mask. And all these other ones I I read about, this one I decided to try this week. Um, (laughs) Fresh cucumber from the garden. And that is just French's yellow mustard that I put on my face. Um, it tingles a little bit when you put it on I think the vinegar does that. Um, but actually, it worked pretty well. My pores felt really clean afterwards. So um, if you're looking for a face mask and don't want to go to the spa, just go to the fridge and put some mustard on your face, I guess. Uh, the things I do for you all. Um, What is the kingdom of God like? Jesus asks. He says, or he says, it's like the mustard seed that produces this versatile herb that's used for medicinal purposes, that's used for cleaning, that's used for beauty and cosmetics, and all of these things. And it's a really short parable, right? It was just two short verses, and and yet it leaves us with this vivid image: uh, a a seed that is known as being one of the smallest seeds, not the smallest, but one of the smallest that that grows quickly, and the birds of the air find. A place to build a nest for their for them and for their for their young. It's this beautiful parable, until you realize that a mustard plant is actually a noxious weed. That mustard plants, you have to be really careful when planting and cultivating them in your garden because they can easily and quickly overtake the landscape where you're planting them. And, and this is known even in the ancient world. The, the first century Roman naturalist Pliny the Elder says this about mustard. He says, and mustard, which ha- has so pungent a flavor that it burns like fire, though at the same time is it is remarkably wholesome for the body. This last, though, it will grow without cultivation, is considerably improved by being transplanted, though on the other hand, it is extremely difficult to rid the soil of it when it, once it's sown there. The seed, when it falls, germinating immediately. So you have this seed that grows quickly, that can grow without any cultivation, and and you can imagine that Jesus, as he's giving this parable to his original audience, that the original audience is finding some humor in this, in this story, that a lot of them are these peasants who many of them worked as day laborers on the, the vineyards and the farms around the area working for those wealthy landowners. And they were probably hired, some of them, to help keep mustard at bay. And yet here is this, this parable of the kingdom of God, this parable this mustard plant that's growing wildly and out of control. If you want to see how invasive mustard can be then look no further than the hills of southern california in an article in 2019 from the la times they describe mustard as an invasive species in santa monica it's growing wildly and out of control and um, i guess mustard plant not yet sandy not yet a little preview of coming attractions here in just a second I guess mustard, uh, it germinates in the wintertime before all the other native species have a chance to, uh, to grow, and it, it grows up quickly, the six feet tall, and it hogs all the sunlight that all the na- native species need, and it grows this deep root structure to it. Um, if you want to see what that looks like, now we can look at that picture. So this is the, the hills of Santa Monica. It looks kind of idyllic, looks kind of scenic, and yet all of those yellow plants, it's black mustard to be specific overtaking the entire hillside, this invasive species. And ecologists uh, in Southern California have labeled it as one of the evil 25, one of the 25 spe- invasive species that's overtaking the natural landscape in Southern California. Uh, and it's more than it just being an invasive species. It's the fact that uh, mustard plants germinate in the wintertime, and then by July or August, they dry out, and so they become sources for wildfires in a place in the country where it's known for wildfires. And so um, then after that, mustard plants are really good at planting themselves and growing in burned-out landscapes. So it kind of creates this vicious cycle, right, where the area burns and the mustard plants find uh, their way back in. And uh, what the ecologists and botanists in Southern California have said is that They can never get rid of the mustard that's there. Um, It's there to stay. They can never fully get rid of it. The best they can hope for, they said, is to maintain the areas that don't already have a lot of black mustard in it already. And this, Jesus says, is what the kingdom of God is like. It's an invasive species that grows without cultivation. It grows in previously burned out areas. Think back to the, the parable from last week, the parable of the sower, this sower who flings seed wildly into the world along the path and the rocks and the thorns, and it grows up. Perhaps that sower was sowing mustard seeds into a world that, was already, that already had a lot, uh, a lot in it. You might have to take great measures and great care when trying to cultivate mustard. You, it might be an invasive species in places like Southern California, but it is the, the perfect image for the kingdom of God, isn't it? The species that, that that grows without cultivation, that's the species that can take root in, in places where it's been burned out, the species that, that can dominate and overtake a landscape. The perfect image for the kingdom of God. And we could easily call Jesus a mustard seed, couldn't we? That, that Jesus is this one little moment in time in human history, in this little remote part of the world. And And yet his message, his life, it spreads like like wildfire, like mustard plants on the hillsides of of Southern California. These little mustard seed moments, these little mustard seed moments gathered around every table in Galilee where, where Jesus invites those that everyone else calls outcasts and sinners and instead calls them welcome children. This little invasive species, this invasion into the social stratification of the day those little mustard seed moments on every hillside in Galilee where there is healing that takes place, this invasion of compassion into a world that is so often marked by, by apathy and indifference, these little mustard seed moments where the, the poor and the downtrodden can hear it spoken of themselves that they are of infinite concern and value to God, little mustard seed moments in every synagogue where Jesus preaches and announces the kingdom of God a reign of, of justice and equity, these little Mustard seed moments, and the, the powers that be, I think, saw Jesus as a mustard seed, as a mustard plant, this, this noxious weed that was quickly overtaking their carefully maintained ecosystems of, of power and domination and control. They, they saw love and justice and equity and inclusivity spreading all across their area, and they, they wanted to get rid of Jesus. They wanted to, to weed him out and his message, But as the ecologists and botanists of Southern California can tell you, once mustard is there, it's almost impossible to get rid of. Once we can know of ourselves that we are loved and the beloved of God, it is almost impossible to know ourselves as anything else. Once we can see compassion as the the normative behavior, it is hard to, to be anything else. Once we can have justice announced over us and for us, even the powers that be, with all of their legislative efforts, can never take that away from us. This, Jesus says, is the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God is like this little invasive species that dominates the world with love and justice and grace and inclusivity. This is what the world is like, he says. Never doubt the impact and the power of those small moments, those, those seemingly small and insignificant actions, because waiting to germinate within every single one of them is the kingdom of God. Desmond Tutu says, do what little goods you can wherever you are, because it's those little deeds put together that overwhelm the world. Never doubt the power of your mustard seed moments. Never doubt the power of the love that you can show. Never doubt the power of of grace that you extend. Never doubt the power of of the justice and the the inclusivity that you work for. Because it is in those mustard seed moments that the kingdom of God grows. I've experienced the power of those mustard seed moments. I I think back to uh, my time in high school. And high school was an incredibly difficult time for me. The way that the school districts were arranged where I grew up, uh, I ended up going to a different high school than the junior high and elementary schools that I had gone to. And so in a lot of ways, it was like starting over again. And um, I had very few friends in high school. Um, I was lonely a lot. I felt a crushing weight of isolation, surrounded by all of these people and yet feeling isolated and alone. I, uh, the few friends I had, often they had different lunch periods than I did, and so I often sat alone in the cafeteria, and and I had the opportunity, I had enough credits, I decided to graduate a semester early from high school. I just needed to get out of there. I couldn't stand the crushing weight of isolation anymore. But then that that January, after I had graduated, uh, there was a knock on the door one night, and the few friends that I had had gathered together a group of people, and they were there to quote-unquote, kidnap me, and to take me out for this little impromptu graduation celebration. Uh, took me out to dinner, took me out to a movie. And I remember saying to them, I didn't think anyone would notice that I had graduated early. I didn't think anyone would miss me. And yet you showed me something different. That little mustard seed moment, that little invasion into the isolation and loneliness that I experienced for almost four years, letting me know that I mattered, that people saw me. I read a, a story recently about a a lawyer who does a lot of pro bono work, working with uh, children who are the victims of abuse. And he said it's a, a cause that's close to his own heart. Uh, and, and in the course of his work, it brings him into contact with uh, adult survivors of abuse. And he said he came in contact with one adult survivor. He said, although you never would have known it looking at him, he was this giant Polynesian guy uh, with a giant mane of flowing hair. Like, if you've ever seen the show Game of Thrones, he looks a lot like Khal Drogo, he said. Um he never would have known it, but that man had become a counselor, working with kids, helping to give them a better start in life. And, and so this lawyer was there to see the counselor to get some advice on some on some things. And they were sitting in his office, and he noticed the trolley from Mister Rogers' neighborhood sitting on his shelf. And he asked, and the lawyer asked the counselor, "Why do you have that that trolley uh, here?" And that's when the the man shared his story. He said that the the, early, or the late afternoon and the early evening were dangerous times for him. That's when his mother was exhausted and worn out, and that's when she would physically abuse him. And she would do it in such a way that um, it was hidden from his father. His father never knew about it. And he said one particular day after she had physically abused him and left him alone, he, uh, he said he couldn't walk, and so he crawled hand over hand to the television set, pulled himself up, flipped on the TV, and there on the TV was Mr. Rogers. And it was the end of the show, one of those quiet moments for Mr. Rogers is talking to the kids, telling them how loved they are and how they made that day special. And this man recounting his story said, uh, he said it was like the hand of God had reached out to him. That Mr. Rogers in that moment was speaking to, to millions of other children through the television screen and yet it felt like he was speaking directly to him. He said that he knew, he said he felt like he quote-unquote knew about himself that he was unworthy and unlovable, that he deserved everything he got, and yet here was this nice man telling him something different about himself, telling him that he was loved and cared for, that he mattered. And so he said he keeps that trolley in his office as a symbol of hope, a way that he shows love to other people. He says, it might sound silly, but Mr. Rogers saved my life. And you all know how much I love Mr. Rogers. Um, we, uh, we had that sermon series back in October. I'm wearing Mr. Rogers socks today for crying out loud. Um, <laughs> but I love Mr. Rogers for moments like this, these little mustard seed moments. How many lives did Mr. Rogers save with those three simple words, I love you? How many lives did he save by by simply saying you matter and you made today special by simply being you? How many lives are saved when you and I can communicate love to somebody else, to tell them they are loved and accepted just as they are in this moment? How much better is the world when we offer bread from our hands? How much better is the world when we seek justice? How much different and better is the world when we can offer inclusivity to people? How many lives are saved because of those mustard seed moments? Never doubt the power of a mustard seed. Never doubt the the impact of those seemingly small and insignificant actions. Because waiting to germinate within every single one of them is the kingdom of God. A kingdom that is always marked by love and grace and inclusivity and justice. A kingdom that grows little by little, moment by moment, mustard seed by mustard seed.